This is the Lakin Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast with addiction recovery specialist, Dr. Greg Lakin. Real people, real stories, real addiction, and real recovery journeys. The Road to Recovery starts now. So today, I have two friends of mine that actually have a great story to tell and a husband-wife couple, no less. Brad and Julie. Brad and Julie decided to come up and tell their story in hopes of helping others, which I uh, greatly admire and, and takes a lot of courage. But So usually I just start off by asking you, how uh, did addiction first start up in your life? And you both have a different story to tell, of course. And sure. So do you want to do ladies first? or what sure. do you, Or you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gosh, I started dabbling with drugs when I was maybe... 14 years old, uh, very experimental, uh, pretty much tried anything that didn't require a syringe. Um, did that up until I was probably 18. Uh, that's when we got married. Uh, we stopped using for probably three or four years, mm -hmm. I would say, and then just fell back into the cycle again. It started off with something as simple as pot and just uh, escalated, uh, escalated to pills, escalated to cocaine. Um, that went on for probably eight years. And then uh, my shining moment was when I got in trouble. Uh, I got in trouble with the law and uh, that kind of scared me straight, I guess. Uh, and I went to a place called, uh, decided to go to a place called Life Management. That was about a month after Julie did the same thing. And I went through the steps, went through the program, graduated from the program. It was outpatient. Uh, it was an outpatient program. Um, uh, started on, uh, alcohol wasn't really, I mean, I drank alcohol, but that wasn't really my vice. Uh, but I ended up going to AA instead of NA. Just it just felt more comfortable. Uh, so you said yeah. dabbled at an early age. Was that just out of sheer boredom, or was there something that ran with missing? the wrong crowd? Right. Yeah. In a small town, I'm assuming. Right? Uh, no, actually, we were in a big town. We were in North Dallas. Then. Oh, well, got it. All right. Where everything's available if you want. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, pretty yeah. much. At the. Yeah. Good. And then you already knew each other, of course, mm -hmm. early on. We met in, what, fourth grade? Oh, right? <laughs> Something like that. It's going to be like yeah. a little love story here, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were yeah. high school sweethearts, yeah. definitely. Well, good. Well, then, Julie, how'd you get involved? Well, um, you know, we met at an early age, but then we didn't start hanging out till high school. And when we started dating, you know, I then started... Um, I had I had already started smoking marijuana, mm -hmm. um, but then uh, started doing. He introduced me so lovingly. I was the culprit. He introduced me to a lot of other drugs. Um, I had not um, done pills yet, though. I hadn't been addicted to to opiates really um, yet. But um, stopped around the same time. I was nineteen when when I stopped. Um, and after having a couple of kids, mm -hmm. we just, like he said, we just fell back into a cycle. And for me, I think I self-medicated. I had a lot of anxiety, right. a lot of anxiety. And so I think that that may have started that 
Yeah. When I noticed, hey, this this relaxes me or whatever. But um, then we we stopped. I stopped. Uh, oh, that's three or four years. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, when I was around thirty, mm -hmm. I started having a lot more health problems, okay. and uh, a doctor gave me pain medicine, and boy, I was I was hooked very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and it very quickly took more and more. I mean, that, that wasn't over a long period of time. That was really short. So, uh, you know, our lives became very unmanageable at the time. And we just had no idea how to move forward at all. And around the same time he quit is when I, we both went to the same outpatient program. I had detox at a hospital though, uh, twice. I tried several years before. And it didn't really help. I didn't follow up with the, the program. Right. So it took me a few more years until I detoxed again and then um, following up with with the 12 step pro program, I think saved our lives. Mm -hmm. It did. It opened our eyes a lot. We learned a lot. Um, Got a lot of baggage. Got rid of a lot of baggage. Yeah. <laughs> stuff off our shoulders that we've been carrying, whether it was, <clears throat> you know, just offenses that we had caused towards other other people right um, while yeah, we were using we were able mm -hmm. to you know forgive ourselves of that and that made it easier to move on right and that makes i mean there's a lot of good points you made just in that i mean one was earlier on there was an anxiety component mm -hmm. and you realized that you were self-treating for that mm -hmm. drugs of choice during that time were um marijuana marijuana Got it. mostly marijuana mm -hmm. yeah and then the opioids were in part for pain, but also you noticed that... Oh, very quickly. Yeah. I got addicted very quickly because I started noticing within probably three weeks or so that I was requiring more mm -hmm. and more. And then it was I had to have it to, just to manage my life. I had to I'd take some so I could vacuum and clean the house or, you know, I thought I was managing my life with my, my kids. Just to Suffered. be able to get up and function, you felt like you had to have that feeling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and but throughout all this, I mean, you guys stayed married, you stayed together. Mm -hmm. That that's mm -hmm. relatively uncommon. You know, usually when both sides or both um, people become addicted in a partnership, oftentimes they don't. Well, they don't stay together. It was it was very difficult. Yeah. And at times we weren't sure. Right. which way we were going with our marriage because of just how out of control we had both come, become. And, and you both made the decision at the same time, which just doesn't happen as often. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, wonderful. Yeah, I'd heard that. And was there like a sentinel event that really triggered, like when you decided for each one of you, maybe it was something different, like this is, I'm serious now, or this is the time, or, or maybe, maybe you've been in treatment before a time or two, but this time just resonated and hit home. Well, I think Julie figured it out probably a month before I did. And uh, she started in that program. Uh, mine was because I got in trouble. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I probably would have kept using longer. It could have destroyed our marriage. I mean, there's a lot of ifs that, that fortunately didn't take place because I was basically scared uh, straight because I didn't want to, you know, ruin the rest of 
of my life that I was still fairly young and didn't want to do that. So there was only one option and that was to try to get off the pills and stop taking marijuana. And I even stopped drinking um, as well. So just cut everything out. Right. Now you both illustrate the point that, I mean, marijuana, I mean, yeah. why, why do we suddenly think it's okay for people to smoke marijuana so they can cause, I mean, you are after the effect. I mean, it's not like you, I mean, you have social drinking, you don't have social marijuana smoking. I mean, you literally are attempting to get a buzz. Right. Am I, it's, it's a gate. It's a gateway. There's no doubt. Yeah. It, it opened up you know, yeah. for both of us. Yeah. Everything else. You know, I, I functioned mm -hmm. for 10 years smoking pot and managing mm -hmm. restaurants and did a very good job at managing restaurants. It, it wasn't the pot so much. It was that it oh, opened the door. I mean, yeah, it affected me, certainly. But it opened the door for doing other things that affected me a lot worse. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, and when you spend so much time not... Um, being sober, you know, you don't spend the time going through, you kind of shy away from decisions you have to make or, you know, when people need you, your kids need you. And so when you're spending all that time not being present, you know, present mm -hmm. with that person, it just, it really starts to affect it does. It affects finances, the relationship. Mm -hmm. the, it affects oh, your yeah. kids. Yeah. Right. And you saw that. I mean, your love for your kids made you say, hey, it's time to get well and also off and on you know we would have moments where it's like hey we've got to stop this we'd have moments you know? of clarity or um, he one time i remember specifically what drove me to um doing detox the first time was you know brad said hey you know even though he was having his own struggle he said you know you're not being a mom mm -hmm. you're not you know this yeah. can't continue they need you and right uh, of course they needed him too but that was my first attempt of, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Right. She was the stay at home mom. I was working mm -hmm. and she was medicating while she was a stay at home mom. So that was kind of the first time that it's kind of like a wake up call. And, and you know, I, I see that quite a bit too, where for one, one partner can maybe handle it or manage it for mm -hmm. a, a while and doesn't understand why the other one can't at all. I think that work. fits yeah. our our uh, our relationship. Um, I handled handled it a lot better, I think, um, than Julie might have. But it was still affecting me. I mean, there's still no, no doubt. Well, you want in the environment with kids all day. When right. you, no, right. you know your yeah. job needs yeah. you, but your kids. Right. Oh yeah. Your kids need you so yeah, much. I had an escape, I guess, to go to work. Yeah. Whereas, but you probably knew Julie couldn't kick it completely if you could. Right. You know what I mean? You had to do it too. So yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. Well, no, this is, this is wonderful. You, you were able to, and then now haven't touched any opioid for how long either of you? Uh, it's been a while. A decade or more. Yeah. Yeah. More than a decade. And, and what is life on the other side? I mean, not, there's no rat race. There's no, no. there's, well, I mean, I mean, still have life issues and, you and do. Sure you the do. family yeah. goes on. But life is hard and yeah. you have to, but you have to keep. You're better prepared better. and better equipped to deal with right. when you're sober. Right. right. Being able to think through uh, problems that you have or issues that come mm -hmm. up um, with clarity. 
and financial decisions, not having to say, okay, well, am I going to have enough to get, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to get my fix and yeah. still be able to pay the electric bill? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that is what, what our mindset was. That's what was. it comes down to. That's oh, yeah. was for and a lot of times it was, a long time. it was, it was the fix that came first. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to be sick. Right. right. Yeah. And right. when your tolerance was, how, how high was your tolerance? What did you have to have, um, you know, pain pill wise, just to get through the day? I was just talking to someone about this the other yeah. day, and it was pretty considerate. It, it got a pretty large amount. Um, I remember at times taking 12, 12 Norco mm -hmm. at a time. Yeah. I mean, it, it got up way up there. That's a street value, let's say five to ten bucks a pill. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh yeah. yeah. It's expensive. Oh, yeah. The problem was that doctors back then would just prescribe. Right. Well, and I have health issues. And she so has right. reasons. It took me for a while. I had to be accountable. I had to have someone go with me to the doctor actually mm -hmm. and keep me accountable because I have chronic pain and it would take you know just one sentence to the doctor and they would prescribe because mm -hmm. there are people. Right. Know, that are in need of, of pain management, but um, yeah, I had to keep myself. You really didn't I was need scared as much pain of... management as right. you really. Yeah. She was over managing. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> over managing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was scared of what that might look like before I got sober. I thought, oh, am mm -hmm. I just going to live in pain the rest of my life? Well, it was easier for but... you to, because of that, you mm -hmm. had things the doctor can hang his hat on diagnosis wise. You yeah. had different diagnoses. It's like, oh, well, you probably, you know. There's no test that shows whether you're truly in pain or not. Right. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Right. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the yeah, tolerance. Especially back time. then when the, yeah. Yeah, the opioid uh, rules were much They were. Yeah. More lots, yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, can you imagine with, with fentanyl out there, you don't know where mm -hmm. it's going to show, in mm -hmm. pressed pills. It's scary. You know, That's yeah. scary, actually. Yeah. It, it actually makes me think, wow, like if we continued. Right. Ugh. Yeah. several overdose deaths and... They actually thought, well, I'm not doing heroin. I'm not doing. Not just on pot. Yeah. No, just on yeah, pot. Yeah. Lace. It's in everything. It's lace, in everything. Yeah. And, and you don't know. Even you think you're taking a prescription, you know, Oxy 30, it looks like, but it's a pressed pill, and well, then you're dead. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. 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 I have a sister that did. I had an older brother that passed away. He was a extreme alcoholic mm -hmm. and used cocaine and other things and enlarged his heart. Mm -hmm. and passed away and, and I have a sister who just recently passed away and, and she was using heroin mm -hmm. and yep. it just got her. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then you think, mm -hmm. wow, if I could have I know. just known or we didn't know. Been, we everybody didn't know. says that. Yeah. Didn't you lose somebody as well? Uh, no. no, I didn't. You didn't? Of course, I was with, we were married right. well, so yeah. I went through the same yeah, so you dealt with the <clears throat> trauma of losing somebody over addiction. Yeah. It's really painful. Right. And so what would you say to people that, uh, what it's like on the other side, you know, um, I don't know, is there something that, they say we only reach maybe 20% of the people that actually need treatment, get treatment, and then many of the others just kind of languish out there, feel they can't do it, maybe don't have hope, maybe don't want to yet, you know, or they're mm -hmm. like your, your sister, you know, they're, they're just going right. to do it till they die. Um, I would say, first off, it's not as scary as you think. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people that are out there just to support and care and 
teach you and not judge. It's just, you know, the, the scariest part is that first step. Putting and, that first foot forward yeah. is the absolute hardest thing. It's, it's knowing that, hey, I'm never going to be able to feel like this. I'm never going to enjoy this any, anymore because, I mean, let's face it, doing drugs is enjoyable. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, you get that euphoria. You get that but euphoria. Eventually. And you have you to know that. Yeah. that you're never going to have that again. But it's okay. Once you get sober, you have a euphoria. Much higher, higher. Yeah. You're able to feel yeah. and enjoy life mm -hmm. so much more than when you're not sober. Because you're shutting off so many feelings when you're right. addicted right. and you're yeah. high. And doing stuff you normally would never do, even right. when you're not high, right? Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So the big thing I think I would say is just, you know, it helps. It's it's that first step is really scary, but there are people there that know and they've gone through it, and you know, have support and and professionals that can walk you through it. Well, it's interesting because although you did this together and you conquered addiction together and you remain together. You actually didn't really wait for him. You went and just did it yourself. Yeah, right? I couldn't yeah. handle it. Yeah. yeah. He had said something several years before, and mm -hmm. that stuck in my mind. Mm -hmm. oh, my kids need me. Yeah. And as much time as they lost, they got me back. Mm -hmm. you know, I got back up. Yeah, and our relationships are great with our kids now. Mm -hmm. Mom again. Good. Yeah. Still trying. You got teenagers. Don't you? <laughs> yeah, still yeah. got one teenager. Yeah. Don't yeah, we're working on it. But yeah. All right. Well, you know, thank you both for coming and sharing your story. I mean, it's truly an uh, act of selflessness when you come and tell your story, and it does take a lot of courage. But the, all, the only reason why we do this is just, you know, to to help others, and and oftentimes a story like yours resonates with somebody else. Sure. You know, and so thank you both I again. Hope so. You're welcome. Thank you. Dr. Lakin is a board-certified family medicine doctor with an emphasis in addiction medicine and over 25 years of experience. For addiction recovery services in the Wichita area, please visit www.centerforchangeks.com or visit samhsa.gov for a national directory of resources and recovery centers in your area. You can also find these links in the podcast description. Thank you for listening to the Lake and Chronicles Road to Recovery podcast. And remember, you've got this.